Welcome to GovCast, connecting with federal IT's top decision makers. I'm Alexander Bolova, production lead at GovCIO Media and Research. With me today is Editor-in-Chief Amy Kluber. Hi, Amy. Hello, Alex. So you had the opportunity to chat with Lauren Zabrick, Senior Advisor at CISA. How'd it go? It was awesome. Lauren was a Flywheel Award recipient at our Women Tech Leaders Summit this year. So I was uh, pleased to chat with her about some of the work that they're doing over at CISA. She has such an incredible background. She served in the Air Force as an intelligence officer. She co-founded the online social media movement called Hashtag Share the Mic in Cyber. So her background is just really deep into cybersecurity and bringing more diversity into cybersecurity. So being a woman herself, I was fascinated to learn more about this new framework that the agency put out. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. So what are we talking about here specifically? What'd you all discuss? So we talked about what they are calling secure by design. Um, It's basically a a framework they released in April and um, then just recently in October issued an updated version. The most common request after they solicited input from the broader community was to provide more detail on three of the principles that the framework outlined and those principles being take ownership of customer security outcomes, embrace radical transparency and accountability, and lead from the top. So Lauren gets into those uh, later, as you'll hear. Just for our listeners, what exactly is secure by design? That would be helpful to know, wouldn't it? The entire idea of secure by design is technology being built to reasonably protect against malicious cyber threats. Uh, That's really the basics of it, and Lauren will expand on that. Well, let's not keep our listeners waiting. Let's take a listen to your conversation. Hey, Lauren, great to have you on the show. I'm so glad to talk to you about Secure by Design and some of the cybersecurity strategies where this is fitting into. So I'm so glad to chat with you today. Thanks, Amy. It's a real pleasure to be with you today. So I know CISA has really been emphasizing the secure by design strategy, especially lately. I think there's a new version out, but I want to get your take. What does it really mean to be secure by design? It's a great question. So secure by design really means that technology is designed and developed in such a way that reasonably protects against malicious cyber actors, successfully gaining access to device, to data, and connected infrastructure. Ultimately, that means safety for the public. Let me give you an example though. So CISA recently released an advisory on the malicious cyber activity against operational technology devices by certain adversaries in the water sector. These actors were successful in compromising critical infrastructure systems in the U.S. and other places, too, because of the ease of access into those products. Um, The device had default passwords, um, which are really easily discovered online, different forums. And so in this case, the actors easily use those default passwords to access the systems that control water flow, which then led to that widespread compromise. This isn't a new tactic. 
And so a core part of the secure by design philosophy is for manufacturers to choose safe and secure default behavior in these products provided to customers, such as not allowing products to ship with default passwords. What is the latest iteration of CISA's strategy? What is new about it? What role do you see it serving in the broader federal tech community and uh, the cybersecurity community at large? Yeah, so based on feedback from the community, such as the as industry, as the security community, and even our international partners, we really wanted to dive deeper into the three principles of Secure by Design to explore additional tactics that software manufacturers can really take to um, you know, prepare themselves and, and further themselves on this journey towards designing security into these uh, into their products. So we hope that that this guidance really does provide more clarity to software manufacturers and to customers alike. You know, there's a section in there that talks about secure by demand. Um, and that I think really helps federal and private sector and, and state and local customers to articulate their demand for more secure products to their vendors. And really these principles are aimed at business leaders because they are the ones making the decisions for their companies on what to prioritize, incentivize, and really commit resources towards. But again, there, there are tactics and, and more specific guidelines to drive the action at the developer level as well. Can you walk us through what those principles are that are outlined in the guidelines? Definitely. So the first principle is for software manufacturers to really take ownership of the customer security outcomes. And what that looks like are things like eliminating default passwords, much like we discussed a few minutes ago, providing basic security features like single sign-on, security audit logs, and multi-factor authentication at no extra charge, and working to eliminate entire classes of vulnerabilities. So you know, making sure that, say, memory safety vulnerabilities are gone or um, things like uh, SQL injection, um, you know, the things that we know how to eliminate to, to actually do that from the design and development phase. The second principle is to embrace radical transparency and accountability. What that looks like are things like publishing a vulnerability disclosure policy and really that something like that would authorize testing against products offered by the manufacturer, um, allowing for public disclosure of vulnerabilities and, and really ensuring that manufacturers are performing that root cause analysis of those vulnerabilities um, so that you, know, you can actually work towards eliminating those. Um, another example of that would be to publish uh, security-related statistics and trends, you know, thinking like uh, statistics of, of multi-factor authentication adoption or the use of unsafe uh, legacy protocols, and even publishing a secure software development self-attestation. Um, and that's something that we also have on our website. And then finally, principle three is leading from the top. And so what that looks like um, may include naming a, a senior executive in charge of security, right? So someone who isn't on a security team, but in the, the overall business leadership structure, orienting structures and incentives and resources around prioritizing security, right? So making sure that 
bonuses or incentives for developers are directly tied to security, making sure that they have the resources, tooling, and, and things like that to actually implement that. And then finally, thinking about vulnerabilities as defects, right? So as a business, you want to minimize your defects and embrace quality by design. So really trying to drive that strategy. So those are the three principles with just a handful of examples in there. If you want to read the full set and we have a whole list of pro business and pro uh, development practices or, or tactics for each of those principles in the actual white paper. Awesome. And we'll definitely include the links to that in the show notes. You know, a lot of this sounds like what the national cyber strategy is calling for in the industry overall. And I know CISA has such a big role in um, seeing that strategy through and in some of its own priorities. So how does this concept, you know, at the end of the day, support the national cyber strategy overall? That's a great question. So really, you can draw a straight line from Secure by Design back to the National Cybersecurity Strategy, specifically Pillar 3, which is to shape market forces to drive security and resilience. The strategy itself states, and I'll read it, a single person's momentary lapse in judgment, use of an outdated password, or errant click on a suspicious link should not have national security consequences. And yet it has and continues to do so. So like the strategy states, we really have to shift the responsibility of security to the most capable and best positioned actors to make sure that our digital ecosystem is secure and resilient. Absolutely. It's certainly interesting to see how that strategy has been, you know, it only launched in March of this year and to kind of see that the quick action that government has taken overall, just in tackling that, it's been quite fascinating. Um, so it's interesting to see how this fits into it. Definitely. So you mentioned the water security breach with the water sector. Um, and there's been so many high profile security incidents just in the past couple of years alone, especially with COVID. And we're starting to see how government is responding to some of the various calls to action. There's been the zero trust executive order, of course, the national cyber strategy, there's been other efforts. What has been the response in the community about why something like secure by design is critical? How are you seeing it kind of proliferate across everybody? It's been a really positive response to this. And I think it's because those incidents and liability and calls to action have really traditionally focused on the customers of software. You know, we've placed so much responsibility on them to bolt on security to their products that they're using after the fact, right? But it's simply not scaling security. And honestly, studies have shown that the cyber innovations, the new things that um, you know are developed that have the most impact are the ones that scale across cyberspace. And so by moving the responsibility of security from the customer to the manufacturer to build in security to those products, security then scales uh, across uh, the ecosystem. And I think that we're seeing such positive response in the community because I think it brings relief to CISOs and users of software. It, it I think, kind of speaks to the, the stress, right? I know that there are different um, news organizations that really have talked about the great deal of stress on CISOs and, and you know customers of software. And so I think what that does is kind of signal to the community, like, you know, this this is untenable and this is something that we need to change. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think many of your peers say the same thing. It's not just the CISO's responsibility anymore. It's, you know, security is everybody's issues. So it's interesting to hear how this is a part of that conversation. But where do you see opportunities to improve cybersecurity or really future-proof tech for evolving threats? And how does Secure by Design fit into that journey? There are classes of vulnerability or defects and ways of mitigating or addressing them that have been studied for decades, right? And yet software and hardware manufacturers still allow their products to ship with those particular defects. And then it costs a great deal to pull developers off the line and to develop a fix for that once a vulnerability is, is identified down the line. And then not even to mention all the lost productivity and the cost to patch on the customer side. And an example of this is memory safety vulnerabilities, which are the most prevalent type of disclosed vulnerabilities that malicious actors routinely exploit. And this is actually something that you can read more about in our most recent publication um, called The Case for Memory Safe Roadmaps, which was co-sealed by NSA, FBI, Australia's Security uh, Service, Canada, the UK, and New Zealand. And, and really by working to eliminate these entire classes of these defects, then I think you can work to future-proof products in such a way that you know, we take one way of exploiting technologies off the table and therefore making them you know, one step safer. But at the same time, I, you know, we, I think as part of that, we sort of focus on costs and, and sort of what developers have to do in order to make that happen. But I don't think that we're talking also enough about the, the benefits and the opportunities to those businesses. You know, really when done right, then, you know, designing products securely can help to reclaim employee time that maybe otherwise would have been spent, um, you know, sort of reconfiguring engineering efforts um, or taking like systems offline. And um, I think even, you know, we could also improve the performance of those products also. It can help uh, reduce the attack surface reduce processing time and reduce complexity for those security teams. So really, um, you know, it's allowing for more productivity and even potential reinvestment of, uh, you know, costs into the company. Absolutely. And I know this strategy had a lot of input from many different people outside the security industry, too. Are there any challenges that you see? What have they been saying about something like how secure by design can look in their organizations as far as like the challenges they have to overcome? I know culture is a huge issue a lot in any cybersecurity strategy. So I'm curious about that. Yeah, I think the number one challenge is, you know, it's it's more of an economics issue, right? This is a technological thing, but the issues here are ones of incentives or misaligned incentives. So mm. a lot of the, the questions, you know, really stem from, you know, who pays for this, right? And so we're trying to understand what those costs might be and like the impact of shifting those costs. Um, and so, you know, it's also, a, you know, policy decisions as well. So until I think, you know, we can shift 
those incentives, then, you know, at, at this moment, the, the financial incentives, um, I think for, you know, notwithstanding the ones I just talked about, but, you know, I think companies are, are really trying to understand those incentives. And that's why we were also trying to talk about the benefits as well. Um, but I think that's a, an uphill battle. Awesome. Is there anywhere listeners can go to hear more about um, some of this? Or is there anything that is on the horizon that we can keep our eye on as uh, this strategy kind of uh, evolves? Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned the latest iteration of our Secure by Design guidance that came out in October. You can find that at cisa.gov slash secure by design. We are starting to put out um, what we're calling secure by design alerts. So those are publications that really are relevant to recent cyber attacks that, you know, are can we can actually draw that line between the attack and then the actual product. We have a pledge that a number of K through 12 education technology manufacturers have signed. Um, so we're, we're constantly, oh, and, and I mentioned uh, the memory safe white paper that just came out. So we're constantly trying to put out guidance and thought pieces and things like that, um, which you can all uh, find at CISA.gov slash secure by design. Well, thanks so much, Lauren. This is a fascinating look at that strategy and um, certainly excited to see how it evolves and how this is playing out in the overall community. So thanks for sharing. Thanks, Amy. I really appreciate you having me on today. Thank you, Amy. That was a really great conversation you had with Lauren Zabrick. Before we let our listeners go, are there any last highlights or takeaways that you want to leave them with? I think what's important here is just to keep in mind the big national cyber strategy that everyone is working toward that was released in March. It called for software manufacturers to take ownership of securing their products instead of security being more of an afterthought, which is how the the history of cybersecurity world has played out so far. So this framework really provides that guidance that is needed to make this happen in the next phase of cybersecurity modernization across government. So it was a really interesting look into it. And I'm so glad we got to talk with CISA's Lauren Zabrick to learn more about it. Yeah, I really liked in your conversation talking about moving that responsibility from the user of technology to the creators. I mean... That's the whole idea behind Secure by Design. And it feels like something that is pretty obvious and maybe should have been in place before, but you know, better late than never, right? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for that interview, Amy. Listeners can tune in next year for our next GovCast. That's right. We're taking a little break, but we'll be back in the new year. But in the meantime, if you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review on the podcast platform of your choice. And hey, tell a friend, I'm sure quite a few of you are going to be going to various holiday parties. And if you need some small talk, you can always recommend GovCast. <laughs> Honestly, if anybody brings this podcast up at a party, uh, let me know. Uh, that would make my day. That would be a first. That would make my year, honestly. And there's not much of it left. So let me know soon. <laughs> Anyways, thank you all for listening. I'm Alexander Bolova. I'm Amy Kluber. Thank you for listening.
GovCast, along with HealthCast and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. If you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com.